Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 205. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. And if you're looking for a great place to go look up auction values, check out Tractor Zoom and, and Iron Comps. You can't uh, can't get enough good stuff out of those guys. So, as normal, i got Aaron Finnell back here with me on our Friday edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. And Aaron, how you been, buddy? I have been fantastical. That's great, fantastical. I don't think you can get much better than that. I don't. I don't think so. I think that is the upper echelon of fantastic. That is. That is the uh, the upper one percent of that. So, it's yeah. technically wouldn't if you're fantastical. Yeah. That would be considered being fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think you. I think you've narrowed that down. We should, to, we, we should keep the quintessential lady on that vocabulary lesson <laughs> real quick. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a good one there. Uh, In case anybody wants to know, that's my mother. She was. She's like an English whiz. So yeah, it's. Uh, we she's should, often ashamed of my vocabulary. We uh, nice thing about the Moving Iron podcast is that it's it's laden with inside jokes that nobody else gets but me and Aaron. So that's great for all the listeners out there, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. That's the best place to have inside jokes is on a podcast that people listen to. Yeah. When so. you can't see any facial expressions or anything, what the hell? Exactly. We have, what, 10 years of inside jokes, no less. Yeah, we've got, we've got a pile hey. of inside jokes. So, Dude. Yeah. It's 21. Okay. It's the 10th anniversary of, hey, I got an idea for this new job. Oh, yeah. Let me run this by you. Yeah, that's right. That is right. This is about when I hit you up for this 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 gig that you're in now. No, we did it at the end of ten when we were doing the eight R presentations at all the stores. All right. Did you mapped it out on the tablecloth at Ogallala that night? I do remember that. Yep. <laughs> but I started in January. Yep, that's right. I forgot about that. That is correct. Yeah, I forgot about the uh, tablecloth sketch. It was me and you, and I don't remember who else was there giving the giving the pitch, but it was... Uh, Chad, I think, was there. Might have been, yeah. But anyway... Jared Wyatt, I believe. Yep, and I laid it all out to you, and you were like, I like this. I like this idea. Yeah. I was like, oh, you mean there is a specific job exactly for my personality out there? Terrific. Yeah. 
and it's not it's not in the circus, so it's it's good. There is there's a, <laughs> stuff there. All right, all right, man. All right, so let's take a look what's going on. Markets have been all over the place. Things have been crazy. We got ups and downs, and ma- major swings going all over the place. I got my GameStop uh, gain GameStop stock bot, so I could uh, uh, watch it go up a billion dollars a day. Um, so it can just eventually crash to nothing. That's usually how that works. But as you uh, Set back and look what's going on. What are you selling the most right now? Tractors. Tractors, okay. Tractors is number one. Combines is number two. Planters is number three. Sprayers is number four. Tillage would be number five. So you're selling stuff for spring, basically. Yeah. Shocker. That, <laughs> I know. That. It's hard to believe you're at the end of January. That's a, that's a shock. That's a shock. I know. The worst part is, for where we live, it feels like spring, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't feel like spring. We should have a foot of snow on the ground and wake up to zero, but today it's going to be 55 degrees. Yep. And I looked ahead, like the first four days of February is almost 60. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, the weather patterns are, are very odd right now, and uh, we're, very, we're very La Nina for sure, and that's uh, very dry. We weren't, we didn't get, I mean, it's a blessing in disguise, I guess, but had we got the 12 to 14 inches of snow that the eastern half of the state got, uh, we'd probably be singing a little different tune right now going into plant season. So, it's Not first, really. Well, first time in a long time that we're going to plant to, if things don't change, that we're going to plant to a, a dry subsoil moisture table, and that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a scary thing when you think about it. It's really scary when you're on water allocations and you have to water the crop up. Yeah, yeah. When you that only get, for a long year, my yeah, man. That that is that is a that is for sure. So, nonetheless, but see, here's why I said that about about not really missing out on that foot of snow. Mm-hmm. My father, who I call on often on here with his sayings and ideas and whatnot, he has a saying about really dry snow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's like feathers. So I called him yesterday, and he's got he's got this little six sixty six international that he only leaves on the box scraper, right? Right. Like Self propelled box scraper because right. he can justify having it as a toy. Right. So he calls me the other day at ten thirty while I know it's just getting you know the day after they got hammered over there, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, I said you on your third tank of fuel on that little thing? No, can't even use it. Too much snow." Doesn't do any damn good though. It's like feathers, and I start cracking up. And I said, I knew it. I knew that's what it was going to be. Was you got a foot of feathers? Don't do any good. Yeah, we've had we've had our fair share of feathers fall out here this year. It's oh been, yeah, that's all we've had is feathers, but we only yeah. get an inch of feathers. Yeah, it's like literally the snow melts on the sidewalk, and the sidewalk is dry. Well, like I, where I keep my dog at. And I go out and feed him in the morning. Uh, the snow melts and there's no mud. There's no mud right. in the dirt. Like it's just, it's just dirt. I don't. It's not even wet. Something. Good time to be in the dry land grassy business. <laughs> exactly. Time. I bet you're jacked about that. That's. Gonna... I am so jacked, and I'm glad I bought even more equipment this winter. Well, you'd have but done that irregardless, so it didn't matter. I, I was. You beat me to the punch. Yeah. Even if it's just to drive around the, drive around the outside of the shed. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. We so. gotta swather now, boys. Some people have a have a, an illicit drug problem. Aaron has a buying equipment problem that you know it's a 
it is a it is a it's an issue you should probably go to tractors anonymous or something like that and see if you can't get it get it fixed do a 12 step you know what tractors anonymous is called what swap meet <laughs> <laughs> or an auction yeah that's true that's, that would be true that'd be true a consignment sale yeah all right so let's talk about let's talk about the tractors that you're that you're selling and what what you see happening out there are the majority of the tractors you're looking at are they bigger row crop tractors is that what you're looking at are they looking at four-wheel drives large row crop everybody's looking for four-wheel drives yeah everybody across the nation farmers dealers <laughs> john deere we're right. all looking for four-wheel drives right there aren't any to be had right what i'm what i'm moving a hell of a lot of is high horsepower row crops five-year-olds um I should say two to five year olds, some tens. Um, now I'll just I'll get more vague. Two year old to fifteen to ten year olds. Gotcha. By and large, um, you still got your thirty series hunters out there, and those guys are still wanting the five thousand hour tractors that were out there. Five years ago, and now they're eight thousand hour tractors. But now they don't want them because they're eight thousand hour tractors. Right. So, yep. I was talking to a wholesale buddy of mine yesterday. I know I've mentioned this on the podcast, Casey. To this day, I cannot believe that two thousand ten eight Rs are not like the absolute mecca of tractors. Right. Because you have, as far as emissions and electronics, it's one hundred percent a thirty series tractor. You have an 8R cab. Right. Why is that not the ultimate tractor of the universe? That's a good question. And that wholesaler I'm talking to, he's like, yeah, no kidding. He's like, I got one here. He's like, they're so damn hit or miss. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. You can get a guy to buy an 8530 and probably pay more than that 2010 345. And the 345 is a better tractor, doesn't have any more emissions, has right. a nicer cab. Right. Like, I don't get it. Right. Yeah, that's... And it has telematics. Tell, well, yeah. That, that is a, that's a great point, because when you look at, look at those two machines, the only real difference is, is that that um, 8345, that, that first eight year, you know, 2009, 2010, 8345. First gen. First gen is the only thing different about it. It's a it's a uh, uh, interim tier four engine, right? And that is uh, no, it wasn't then. No, that's the next year. That's three. That's still a tier three engine. You're right. Okay, it wasn't until is interim four. Right, that's right. That wasn't until 2011. Right, that's when that happened. So yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a new series of tractor, basically the same machine, and it's going to have. A little more technology on it. You can, you know, you do the JD Link thing. Not that you can't do it on your eighty-five thirty, but that was a platform was developed for that for that generation of machine. Right. So there's a plenty of opportunity there to take a look at those machines. Now, those type of machines, if you can find them, that've got five thousand hours or less on them, the people are looking for them, and that's yeah. going to be that's going to be a, a, a tractor guys are out there uh, trying to trying to run down because as you take a look at what they can do with them and what they are back to your point it's it's a it's a different cab on a 30 series tractor for the most part and there's a few other little intricate things that are that are different about it but for the most part it's a better but it's just a better cab machine it's got some other stuff on there and 
you know, you, they're easier to find. They, they made the hell out of those tractors in, in 2009, 2010. So, you but, know, and that's, and that's it. But technically, Casey, even though those tractors were built in September of nine mm-hmm. to like, what was it, April yeah. of 11, I think. Yep. You almost have two years in there. Yeah. Almost every one of them is labeled in 2010. Right. Even technically, the ones built in September are a 10. There's no such thing as an 09 through 45. Right. Yep. They're technically all 2010s. They unleashed them early, or released, <laughs> unleashed them. Unleashed. unleashed. <laughs> they released them early now. So, anyway, back to my point with that. I think, here's the problem. They're made basically one year. Okay, We just mapped out almost two calendar years, but by model year, it's one year, whatever. Right. And they're an R. The right. R's that after that one year had the filter. Right. I think everybody thinks that that first Gen 8R is an IT4, even though it's a Tier 3. Yeah, that's a good I point. I think that, yeah. I think it's buyer, buyer lack of knowledge. Yeah. Is what, is what I, in, in the marketplace, not, right. you know, a specific demographic. Well, I think it's the marketplace in general. Yeah. The R's are maybe it's us as dealers. Why are we not? Why isn't that parked up on the rock pile under the sign with the spotlight on it under the American flag? You know, right? Maybe that's the problem. Well, I, I, th- I think the R is that association with an R that that was that. That's when the emission things took off and exactly those kind of. That's where that association is. Because yep. to your point, that first 2010 model machine was. A very short production cycle. I mean, it was, it was, and it was, it was very sought after too because everyone knew that was a tier three engine and that they were going to this interim tier four thing. And at the time, you know, Case had their solution, whether it was the urea thing, you know, Agco had their thing. And then Deer was like, we're just going to put a diesel particulate filter in there. We're just going to spray more diesel in there to make it hotter. You know, that's what we're going to do. And that, that's, that was a very short production run and i think that's a that's a key thing people forget about when they when they go i forgot i forgot about it till right now until you brought it up yeah. i totally forgot about that so and i i'm in the business so it tells you that it's the association with that is is definitely something that you gotta you gotta keep in your mind so yeah that's a that that's probably one of those things where if you have a 2010 8345 or whatever at the time that was the big one you know it's worth putting uh, tier three engine in the in the description of that machine because that's that's going to be that's to some people that's a huge selling point especially if it's got the hours on it that they're looking for so there's right. a there's an opportunity there to to sell a piece of equipment just because of its quote unquote lack of technology at the time yeah to today's standpoint you know what i mean so we we just we just mentioned an 8r and then in the next breath you said lack of technology yeah compare comparatively i mean that's that's the thing right. that's that's a that's a right. crazy thing so i mean this, I get an 8345 or a 4840 they're about the same <laughs> <laughs> but you know and and where i think of that casey comes from a weird ass place shocker that is shocking yeah the tractor geek in me looks at that, looks at the rare shit, right? Like, someday, when I'm 75, 
somebody's going to have a 2500 hour 2010 yeah. 820R yeah. in the back corner of their shed and everybody's going to lose their mind you know yeah yep it'll be that, I, that I realize that isn't an 8675 RT yeah well that's <laughs> that going to be and that that particular year, that that next generation guy, you know, that was the first new tractor he bought, you know, and I've kept it on the farm since, and you know, whatever else. And then, you know, Machinery Pete's great grandson will be out there doing <laughs> Machinery Pete, and he'll will have <laughs> some some guy will be coming out there that'll be, uh, you know, talking about his eight three forty five R that he bought brand new in two thousand ten, you know, fifty years ago, and exactly. Well, we watch it through telepathy. Yeah. He goes, I don't know how to use it, though, because I have to drive it, so I don't quite understand how to make it work. So. What is this deal? <laughs> it's got this, this, off it's got this round it. thing in front, and I'm supposed to do something with my hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mean I got to steer this son of a bitch? No way. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cool thought to think about. That. Yeah, that's definitely something that if, if, if all the equipment folks out there or your guy that's got one on the farm, you want to sell it, Make sure that you put that out there. This is a this is a tier three engine, and I think it's gonna make it's gonna be a big differentiator between the 2011 A345R. That's interim tier four. You know what I mean? So it's right. a, it's a big deal. That's a big big deal. So, all right. So let's talk about the tilled pieces that you're that you're looking at. What what are you looking like? Strip tills? You looking at vertical tillage stuff? Like what do you what do you what are you guys hunting out there right now? Well, you're two for two on your guesses. Congratulations! All right, sweet. Wow, cool. Strip till and strip till the main the main thing that's been moving. I guess you could call that tillage. I consider that more of the planning process personally. Um, the other thing that's been pretty hot is VTs. Yeah, I haven't sold any, but I know our guys are selling a bunch. Gotcha. Okay. What about a lot of hunting? Planned all John Deere VTs the last couple of weeks, and guys have been plopping them pretty regular. So, so what about high speed discs? Anybody out there hunting for those? I did. I did some work on them year end. Um, we bought a couple of deers from other dealers for you know in in territory sales. In the used marketplace, they're super super hot. I honestly feel like. You know, typically when something comes out, you have like a five-year open window that everybody else jumps into business. With these high-speed discs, I feel like in one year, you saw Dem or not Demco. God, I'm, I apologize to Degelman. When you see... It's you got see, tanks. <laughs> <laughs> you see Degelman come out with the, the crown jewel of all of them. Norwood comes out. There's been a couple others out. Of course, you had the Joker years ago, but it was kind of, it was targeted different than right. I feel they are now, right? right. Yeah. It was, it was more, the Joker was targeted more like specialty versus now it's like, oh, no, it's that, but everybody might. Right. Okay, so you got that first year that they really get hot on the scene. Next year, every damn company makes them. Right. I feel like you have a weird combination in the marketplace right now. They're brand new, yet guys can get overwhelmed because which one am I supposed to buy? They all look the same. They right. all offer the same rear attachment. 
they all most all offer the same blade combination. Which one do you buy? Right. You know, they're all very pricey. <laughs> very pricey. Yep. And you get into the game of, you know, I've got buddies with 500 horse, 560 RTs pulling 33 foot dead ones. Right. 33 foot with 560 horse. Yep. Wait, well, think about the horsepower rate. I mean, you're trying to go 10 miles an hour, you know. Here's what, and, and that's what I'm getting at. Right. Degelman is built like anything painted yellow and says Degelman. Right. They, they're not afraid of steel and welding up there. They got plenty of welding they're sticks. Helper stout. Yeah. So it weighs so damn much, it takes that much more horsepower to pull it. Right. Whereas the JD and some of the others on the market don't take quite as much horsepower, still do a great job. But then right. you have guys, well, at Degelman, is. Built twice as heavy, it's going to last twice as long. Well, maybe, but it also takes another hundred horse to pull it. Yeah, yeah. There, that's that's okay, the biggest up, part of that. Hook up to your, be like, hook up to your high speed disc, and then back it up to that semi trailer full of coils of steel, mm-hmm. and pull that through the field too at ten mile an hour. Then you know where you're at. Well, that's one thing too about the tillage thing. So, growing up in this business, it's always been. 10 horsepower per foot. That's what you need, right? That's always been that math problem that they kind of figure out. You got 300 horsepower, 30-foot disc, don't worry about it. Get after it. You're good to go. Now, the same concept the guy's got. Well, I've got a I got a 400 horsepower row crop. I'll get a I'll get a 40 foot high speed. He's like, nah, you're not. No, you're gonna get you're gonna get a 20 footer. That's what you're gonna you're get. Right. You know, because right. <laughs> you go ahead and buy that 40 footer and yeah. then use that 8400 R to park it in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> right. That the idea that there's um, being able to go across the field at ten miles an hour instead of four or five miles an hour is going to make a big difference. So technically, you're still getting the same amount of work done. That's where that's that's the one thing. I think it goes back to the high speed planner stuff that we've talked about a million times on here. Is that I I thought that we would see a decrease in rows, right? So I thought if you had a twenty four row planner. You're going to get down to a 16 row or 12 row, and you're going to be just happy. We didn't see that. Actually, we saw planters get bigger because holy shit, let's get a bigger tractor now. I can go twice as fast and do twice as much. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, so now my, my 24 row planter might be a 36 row planter or a DB90 or something like that, where they're you and know, high speed. And high speed. Now I've got 600 horsepower tractor that's going to pull it across the field. Man, I, only not only am I doing more, I'm getting twice as much done twice as fast, and same concept goes back to the tillage thing. More high horsepower tractors are being sold now because of the idea of like, well, I still need that 40-foot disc, right? But I, I, if I can do it at 10 miles an hour, maybe that tractor investment's worth it. So now I can get the same same per pass length done or width of the pass done, but I'm going to do it twice as fast. And nothing has, has sold more equipment than 2019 did and 2018 did with all the flooding and short planting windows all that stuff so that that idea of of high speed technology whether it's disc whether it's seed bed prep or whether it's planting right in my opinion has really launched that because four-wheel drives have always been kind of there you know but the idea how many people you talk to now like i'm really looking for that row crop four-wheel drive 
I'm like, what are you talking about? What? Oh, where did that come from? Now all of a sudden you see it. Well, I need some of these row crop tractors that are 400 and 500 horsepower tractors. That's great. You, they're still, you got to weight the shit out of them to make them work, right? Whereas you get a, a 960R, 9620R or something like that, and you set it out there. Before you put any weights on it, you got a 45,000 pound machine, right? Then you go stack a few more weights on it and everything else. Now you're up to that 50, 60,000 pound range. Now you can pull that 40 foot, 45 foot high speed disc and just walk the dog all day long. And that that to me is that that rise of that horsepower. Like we talked about that we had a whole podcast one time where we talked about high speed or high horsepower row crop versus four wheel drive and where does that mix start to happen and start to take place and in right. my opinion I think the four wheel drive is winning that battle in the in the long term. I think you're right. And one thing I wanna point out, Casey, mm-hmm. we do a lot of row crop four wheel drives here. Right. A lot. Yep. It's a big, big market for us. And it's funny to me because as you look back through the years about the time I got here in 08, the 9220 was the right. ooh-la-la real crop four-wheel drive, right? That's not bitch was like 300 horse. Right. Then it became 9230-9330. Nothing better than a high-flow 9330 with three-point PTO, right? Right. 480-50 Firestones. Oh, best thing on earth. 375-inch horse. Yeah. It's an 8370R in a big, big body. Yep. Flip the calendar or flip the book forward, nine four twenty or nine four ten. Right. Some nine three sixties. Yep. But nine four tens, then they become nine four twenties. Now we're seeing a lot of nine four seventies. Right. Four eighty fifty rubber three point PTO high flow. Mm-hmm. That's we're at four hundred and seventy horse row crop duty. Yeah. You remember 10 years ago when we had somebody like, if I could find a four-wheel drive that had a PTO on it, that'd be great. It's like, well, you're not going to find one. We'll just order one out of parts and put it on the back. No big deal. Now, nowadays, if you're like, I'd really like to find a bareback four-wheel drive. Like, what? Why would you want a bareback four I mean, that's that 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 flip in in mentality and in, in the buying of that of the customers has, has changed 180 degrees in a very short amount of time. I mean... For the longest time, all a four-wheel drive was was just a big lunker of a hunk of iron out there with wheels on it that was heavy and could pull, right? Big implements. Most of the time, growing up where I grew up at in central Kansas, there were four-wheel drives out there, but they were all, most of them were, were pulling 60-foot air seeders and 50-foot air seeders and 40-foot air seeders, and that's that's what they were doing with them. And they were, they were, they were wheat specials, I used to call them all the time, because they were pretty well they weren't very high spec rigs right and they, right. Were, they were bareback and they were you know the pumps were small pumps because you didn't need the hydraulics that you need now and that's the other thing too is the hydraulic demand that these tractors have to put out and and the and the hydraulic reservoirs that they got to have on them now just to do these different things i mean hell on the new the new uh four-wheel drives now you have there's a cedar package that you put on there so you can run the hydraulic fan on the new yes. on the new I mean that that is a that's a legit amount of that's a whole separate system that's running something just totally by itself. And that's exactly a, <laughs> and I've seen that on the new tractors and I think that is awesome. Yep. And that's, so those are those are that's the next thing now. Cause I remember we, 
for the longest time, we were selling machines new, you know, in, in the early early 2000s that today you can't hardly even use on the machines on the on a new implement just because of the hydraulic domain that they have and, and where it comes from. Right. So there's a kind of thinking back and kind of going back a little bit on, on, this, on this thought process, but... You know, the more that I take a look at the four-wheel drive tractor market versus the high-horsepower row crop market, I'm starting to think that that, that four-wheel drive marketplace is going to be a bigger... It's winning the battle, I think. I think the four-wheel drive, row crop four-wheel drive is winning the battle. I think you're going to see that more and more too, Casey. The four-wheel drive is going to be a more important part of the farm as boomers retire. Right. And this 12-row, 2,000-acre guy that did it by himself and got along fine, the bigs next door gobble up that 2,000 acres. They just got bigger. They went from two four-wheel drives and six 8Rs to four four-wheel drives and four 8Rs. Right. You know, we see that kind of stuff happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to keep the four-wheel drives going. Or maybe even that 2,000-acre guy, his son comes home from college and He's sitting very secure financially, and they expand greatly to get the sun in the operation. Yep. At which point they trade their biggest eight R for a used mine on. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, that's, so that's all good. Points. I think you're gonna you're gonna keep seeing that to a point. Mm-hmm. But you're also gonna see them. You're also gonna see row crops get bigger and bigger too. And keep in mind if you have two, if you have a Nine four ten R weighted to specs in the in the weight you know the specifications where you're supposed to look up how much weight for what job and change the tractor which nobody ever does right if you take a nine four ten R weighted properly and an eight four hundred R weighted properly that eight will outpull that nine every single day yeah yeah. That's that's true. That's a true statement. Because you have less parasitic loss in the drivetrain of that eight that you do in the nine, you lose a lot of power in that articulation and so the I, drop box. Yep, I had that same conversation with the grower the other day, talking about that same thing. Like they were wanting to just go on the high side of the horsepower range on the four wheel drives and get rid of some of their smaller ones, and because they just didn't need. Them. I mean, they were just kind of you know, we have these, and you know we we push some silage with them, those kind of things. But why can't we just make our big ones pushers too? I mean, it's the same. They're the same size, right? I mean, there's no... Which I would prefer they do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> so would everybody else, right? And they had a... Oh, good, a 9370 with a dozer. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, those are... There's not enough of those out there. And if you, <laughs> but that same conversation. So we looked at, instead of going for a, 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 a 9420 R, we went, went down to a 8RT410. And that's... Because, I, I mean, you do the math on that same thing, the parasitic loss deal, going through different drop boxes and all the stuff that's there. Even though that machine is 20 horsepower or 10 horsepower less, you're still probably getting more horsepower to the ground with that 8RT410 than you are on that four-wheel drive. So those are, those are some things I took and you kind of taken that in consideration. I think that that track is going to give you a little better, um, less slip. You're going to have a better footprint. And you're going to have more horsepower to the ground. So just out of the gate, you're going to... Now, the only other thing is, the only other thing to take into consideration when you're doing that 
is the weight and how you're going to weight it up and, and what you're going to do with it. So that on a, on a track machine, there's only so much weight you can put on it. Unlike a wheel machine where you can stack wheel weights and front weights and yada, yada, yada. There's, there's those kind of things that come into that. So no, I think there's a difference that the, the low end of the four wheel drive range to me is like we've talked about here getting squeezed a little bit because of that high horsepower tractor range but when you really get into the the, the horsepower demands of of four-wheel drives and we see after now that 500 plus is really that four-wheel drive is winning that and not the not the high horsepower tractor side of it right so i agree well i think we nailed that one dude i'm just going to go out on a limb so we got that so we have the much anticipated widely respected and more sought after than a glass of water in the desert Aaron Fintel's deal of the week Woo! <laughs> okay on the topic of spring uh-huh. today's deal of the week is a 2012 John Deere DR12 planter outstanding DR stands for Deer Orthman this is a 12-row, 30-inch CCS stackfold planter. It has 13,000 acres on it. It has row command, Seed Star 2 variable drive with three motors, pneumatic downforce. It has set up for fertilizer on it, and it has a Surefire pump to deliver the fertilizer. No tank. Customer was using saddle tanks. Excellent, excellent little planter. And the special, the moving iron special on this planter is 53,000 mall hairs. Did you say 153,000? I said 53. Get out of here with that. You're crazy, you know what man. Else this planter, it is the John Deere, just base, you know, seat star drive. Right. But for 53,000, being 12 row, three point CCS. Maybe, just maybe, and at only $53,000, maybe someone makes that a precision donor. Could be. Could be. Could be. Uh, that would go. be a hell of a nice high-level precision donor. Yeah. Hashtag. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good thing to take a look at, too, especially with um, what you see happening there. The upgrade thing, we can talk about that agnosium again, but there's there is a lot of value there. And whether you go with the, the deer upgrade system or whether you go with the precision upgrade system, but there's a lot of value there that you're adding to a machine. Um, I think we talked about. I think when we talked, we talked about it. And our opinion is that that because of the way things all work together, buying a planter cheap enough, you can make it into a new planter pretty simple. And I, I think that's a right. that's a great point, Mister Fennel. Good job, buddy. Good job. All right, so if people wanted to get that deal of the day, where, where would they go to do that at? Well, I tell you what, we're going to throw it out on the Twitterverse. We have not done that for the last couple specials of the week. I think I did that one tractor. I think I did that one tractor. But we're going to, uh, when I say we, I mean the uh, helpless Aaron Fennell is going to do a better job of tweeting out that special after we record. So look for it already on Twitter when you listen to this podcast. And um, so I'm very active on Twitter at Aaron Fintel or, and Aaron is A.A. Ron. 
and uh, you can call me or text me. Text preferred usually 308-760-1193. Right on, man. What uh, what's your throwback memory of the day? You know, we've we've been talking about pickups, right? Yes. We talked about the ninety four Dodge. Ninety four Dodge. Yep. We talked about the eighty eight Chevy. Yep. <sighs> Got a little heart flutter there for a minute. It's widely known throughout the universe that I'm not a blue oval man. That is that is a fair statement. Yep. <laughs> However. The year I was born, they became the highest selling pickup in America. Nice play with that with your fleet leases, Ford. But in the in the sport of throwback, I do like a couple of Ford pickups specifically. Yeah. The old factory high boy three quarter tons. Yes, those are nice. And to piggyback onto them. 78 and 79 with the square headlight, but the 70s body style. Yep. Delicious pickup. <clears throat> and My uncle, when I was a child, had a 78 with a 400 big block and an automatic full-time four-wheel drive. Blue, tan, blue. And if you remember in the 80s, they used to make those like scenes that you put in your back window, oh, but yeah. it was but it was like a screen you could see through. Right. Yeah. It had pheasants. You'll love this, buddy. Yeah. Pheasants flying up out of corn stalks. Yeah. That was uh that was a mainstay. My grandparents, my my grandpa was a uh, was a Chevy man, and <clears throat> he had well he was a Chevy man. Then he went to be he became a Ford man. So what do you do, right? So but it's it is genetic. But he had uh he had a. Uh, 1978 Chevy pickup heavy half, yeah, and to pull the camper with, and it had it had a I think it had a a similar scene, but it had like mountains or something with the sun coming up over the mountains. I can't remember, but right. yeah, the I do remember now. that. And it was it was the the tan white tan, you know. Uh, Beautiful. It was a very nice truck, and it was. Uh, you know what I miss? I miss two tone. Two tone. Yeah, it's 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 never made its way out of the eighties. There for the while mm -hmm. in the nineties, you had some early nineties. Yeah, but in the nineties you had some, but in the nineties you went to more of three fourths one color and then a different color on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Now you get four choices. Oh, you can have silver or pewter or white or black or I guess red <laughs> if you have to. Like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Worse green and dark green and blue green and then throw some silver in the middle of that. Yeah. What happened, people? You know, Ford did do a pretty good job in the mid-2000s when they brought in the King Ranch edition because you had a two-tone. That was a, that was like a standard option. I can't remember what it was. It was like Arizona beige, and that was the tan, and then... I don't remember what the red color was. I can't remember what that was called. It it was a very southwestern, like red rock related. Yeah, name but that was part of that that whole King Ranch edition was that Arizona beige, whatever, with this either white or this red. Can't remember what the red color was, but it was a uh, it was that was cool. But yeah, those those Ford pickups I were always I always remember those. I had a guy growing up that had a older, may have been like a early seventies. Like a seventy-five or seventy-six truck that he had. It was his hunt truck, and it was, of course, he had to paint a camo, right? Because obviously, oh, yeah. I mean, 
they've yeah, way you can drive through the field and there's like, what is that noise? I just, I hear it, but I can't see yeah, anything. Like you know? I smell burnt gas, but I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was the four door version of that, of that three quarter ton pickup with the four doors and, you know, typically a Ford all that comes from the factory that way. They always set a little bit higher. Are you anyway. shooting me? It was awesome. A crew cool cab, yeah, seventies, and it was four wheel drive. And it was four wheel drive. Yep. Camp- what on earth? Go, go <laughs> find him and give him my number. Painted camouflage right from the get go. So, damn man, that would be oh, that would be fantastic. And then this would have been like nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety when I when I was because uh, I remember getting into the trying to get into the truck, right? Because I'd never been around four doors, so open the cab, get in, and. He's like, yeah, just hop in the back. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm trying to like figure out how to flip the seat forward so you can climb in, you know, go in the back. <laughs> I was slow as a kid. I'm not going to lie to you. But <laughs> there was, he goes, no, just use the door. I was like, oh, yeah, use the door. It makes sense. Why would you don't not have to door? go to every school in Kansas to figure that one out? That's exactly right. Yeah, you can just, just push the knob in and you're good to go. It's amazing how that works. It's awesome. Now, quick side note. Mm-hmm. My Uncle Dale, 78 Ford, the first... No, second pickup I ever drove completely by myself. The first one I ever drove completely by myself was my Uncle Dan's 78 GMC. Mm-hmm. And what model is Aaron Fentel? Also a 78. Very all. That was that for awesome. And, so, and that 78 sweet. Ford with that 400 big block is maybe, I can say this because I know Uncle Dale doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> First pickup I ever went 80 mile an hour in. Right on. By yourself? By myself. You got it all the way to 80, huh? About about 13 years old oh. on a gravel road. Yeah. Well, I've done I've done similar situations as a 13-year-old, too. And then I got a little freaked out and drove it pretty damn sane the rest of the day. Yeah. You gotta get now, you my 16-year-old, I have to talk him into going the speed limit. So yeah. at some point, that... My genetics wore off, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a uh, – I don't know where that's at either because I, I've i just kind of always been the, hey, look, let's see if we can jump over this hill. I've been that guy. Right. You know, and my, my son's not – he's like, 10 and 2. And oh, and I know like, it. Hey, Sunday driver, we got places to go, so come on, no let's shit. go. No shit. I'm the same way. I'm like, <laughs> you're going 64. He's like, the limit is 65. I'm like, he's like, that's the limit. I'm like, uh, okay, go seven. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Makes me laugh. Makes me laugh. All I'm right, like, buddy. dude, you got five mile an hour leeway. Come on. Yep. Yep, you do. All right, buddy. Well, I think we knocked the, uh, knocked the guts out of this one, so... Aaron, uh, folks, one more time, I want to reach out to you and get some of these super deals you got laying out there. What's the best way to do that again? Call me, text me, 308-760-1193, or look me up on the Twitterverse, uh, at AARonFinTail. Right on. And so coming up next, we have Miss Jacqueline Kramowski, and she's going to be our our lady on the street, giving us the uh, the latest news and action and latest news and action report. Of the uh, of the ag business out there, so right on, hit it, Jacqueline. Hey, it's Jacqueline Kramowski bringing you this week's ag news update, brought to you by the Herdbook Ag Media. Coming out of D.C. this week, we have several reports. President Biden's new immigration proposal could be positive for certain ag sectors. 
This proposal offers a new pathway to legal status for immigrants, which would also make more employment and family-based visas available. This also includes additional work permits for spouses and children of current temporary work visa holders to be granted. However, officials have stated the number of work visas, specifically the H-1B for highly skilled and the H-2B visas for lower skilled non-agriculture workers, will not be expanded. The Raise the Minimum Wage Act was reintroduced by Democrats in both the House and Senate this week. If passed, pay would increase from $7.25 an hour to $15 an hour by the year 2025. Afterwards, future increases would be tied to median growth. This would spell the end of subminimum wages for disabled youth and guaranteed tipped workers. Republicans, however, remain skeptical, and the Senate will require 10 more Republican support at least if this is going to pass. However, there is also discussion of the debt reconciliation, which could push this forward regardless, so stay tuned. All right, in USDA world, due to the pandemic, the USDA will be suspending debt collections, foreclosures, and similar activities on farm loans. Uh, they have announced that this relief would be approximately for 10% of all borrowers. So that would mean about 12,000 individuals overall could benefit from this. Um, however, in not so good news, the USDA has also suspended the processing and payments to farmers under the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Uh, and this has been halted until further notice. Moving on to international news, the bird flu continues to rise throughout Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Millions of birds and thousands of flocks have been culled, and governments are working to assess the situation. In better news, China grain demand has been strong thus far from 2020 into early 2021 now, and demand is continued to grow with a current 1.36 million tons of corn being exported thus far. The Federal Maritime Commission is investigating reports that agricultural shipping containers have been leaving U.S. ports empty to return to Asia to pick up imports of higher value. This was first reported by CNBC as reports from New Jersey, California, and New York show that they are violating the Shipping Act of 1984, with data to prove that high volumes of containers have been leaving U.S. docks as quickly as possible, rather than properly being loaded. This currently remains under investigation. All right, weather-wise, the southwest region here may be in for a drought season. As of January thus far, about 46% of the U.S. has been experiencing moderate or worse rainfall than usual. If this projection continues, we could be on par for a drought that is similar to what happened in the summer of 2012, just based on what we've seen thus far in January. Uh, however, we continue to watch. Equipment sales could be very positive in 2021. According to the USDA Economic Research Service, net farm income in 2020 was projected to increase $35 billion. That represents the fourth consecutive year net farm income has gone up, and could that trend could be set to continue as projections for 2021 are also looking positive thus far. According to the Idaho State Journal, 
Various equipment retailers have shared their enthusiasm as the economy recovers in 2020 that this year could end up being very positive for retailers and manufacturers. All right, that catches y'all up on this week's news updates brought to you by the Herdbook Ag Media, serving all your agribusiness, writing, and communication needs. Well, thank you, Jacqueline, for that great report. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest posts of the Moving Iron Podcast and Moving Iron Blog. Hit up Aaron Fennel on Twitter, at Aaron Fennel. Hit up Jacqueline uh, on her Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram, and LinkedIn page at the underscore herdbook. Rich Possen also has a Twitter page as well. Make sure you check that out, at Rich Possen. I'm sorry, at Rich underscore Possen. And make sure you check out my website, movingironllc.com. This is where you find all the editions of the Moving Iron podcast since number one, as well as all of the blog posts from the Moving Iron blog. If you wish to learn more about the Moving Iron podcast and their contributors, check out the Moving Iron podcast tab and go down and check out the uh, Moving Iron podcast markets and Moving Iron podcast uh, contributors, and you'll get all the information about who's out there and, and their bios and get a good good feel for who they are. On the website, you can also find the information for the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th through the 17th. If you're a dealer of any kind and you'd like to attend this, please uh, please check out the agenda and the speakers. And, and I promise you, once you take a look at that, it's going to be an event that you don't want to miss. It's a great networking opportunity as well. If you have any questions, you can also email me at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. And uh, check out Rich Poston's podcast called Critical Point Podcast out there on Podbean. Just go to Podbean and uh, just search uh, Critical Point Podcast and it'll be there for you. So anything having to do with the economy, Rich is, uh, is, is my go-to guy. And uh, he has a, has a great handle on what, what's going on out there. So lastly, a couple of buddies of mine. Do a little podcast called the Dryland Farmer Podcast, and Brent and Landon are pretty funny what they do, and uh, they'll keep you they'll keep you entertained uh, throughout your day and what you travel. With that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Finnell and Jacqueline Kramowski. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century